Welcome to Reframe and Reset Your Career, a career development podcast to help if you're looking for a job, feeling stuck in your career, looking to change your perspective, or just rediscover your why. I'm your host, Harsha Borolesa, and this podcast came about from my passion for neuroscience and psychology and their interaction with career and personal development. In each episode, I will be interviewing recognized experts and successful professionals and asking them about their career journey, their real life experiences, and to share the insights and strategies that have helped their careers thrive. Implementing change is not easy and does take time, but I do hope that their stories will inspire you to take a fresh look at your career and assist you on your path to a more successful and fulfilling career. Here are some highlights of today's episode. How do I want to live? Who do I want to be? And how do I want to grow? And those questions are core to really making great decisions. This is just discomfort. I know how to get through this. I get through this by taking the next step. I realize if I stay where I am, I'm going to become less and less relevant until I'm obsolete. Sitting there and wishing for the past to come back, that's a waste of time. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Reframe and Reset Your Career podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Deborah Rubin. Hi, Deb. Hi, Harsha. Thanks for inviting me to be here. My complete pleasure. Deb is the CEO and founder of Tomorrow Zone, a technology strategy consultancy inspiring fresh ideas and collaborations to shape the future of business. She encourages new thinking to explore the art of the possible through her extensive technical knowledge, equipment finance experience, and passion for challenging the status quo. Her view on digital transformation and future readiness is radically different with over two decades of innovating, speaking, and most importantly, real-life innovation experience in finance and software industries. Deb appreciates and shares with clients and audiences that digital transformation is less about the digital and more about the people. Her clients and audiences include companies like PNC, Wells Fargo, Dell, Mitsubishi UFG, and Caterpillar. A member of ELFA's board of directors, Deb chairs the ELFA's Technology Innovation Working Group serves on the Monitor Editorial Board, and co-founded the Disrupted Plus conference series with Monitor. Monitor Magazine honored her as one of the 50 most powerful women leaders in equipment finance, and in 2021, named Tomorrow Zone one of the most innovative companies in the equipment finance ecosystem. Welcome, Deb. Thank you. It's so great to have you on here and all the way from Minnesota. So th- yes. thanks for uh, getting up early to be, be with us. But would you like to share a quote which resonates with you, Deb? I'm so glad you asked. So I actually had one written down um, that I, I think about quite a bit. I'm, I'm just going to read it to you because I don't want to mess it up, but it's so powerful. Um, it's attributed to William H. Murray. And he said, until one is committed there's hesitancy, a chance to draw back, always ineffectiveness. Concerning all acts of initiative and creation, there is one elementary truth, the ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans. At the moment, one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves to. All sorts of things occur to help one that would never otherwise have occurred. And 
that's just something, you know, Harsha, I've seen play out in my career over and over and over again. It seems like every time I commit to step out of my comfort zone and take the leap into the unknown, into the uncertain, something awesome happens. Usually it's more awesome than I could have expected or asked or imagined. So to me, you know, the key is committing and getting into motion. And I found that moving forward, it's always been about taking action despite fear or discomfort. So that quote means a lot to me. I think that that's a great quote, Deb. And I think that really resonates with my way of thinking and, and the podcast, because I really think it's about just taking that first step and you know, just taking it back to the, the origin, origination of the podcast. Um, I, you know, I'd been thinking about it for a while um, and I wasn't sure whether to, to go for it. And then finally, I met with a, a good friend of ours, Tammy Gulalob, who basically just said, you know, you, you really should just get it up and running. And I think that whole idea of just saying, OK, I, I had a date and then I had eight weeks to get it, get it together. Um, you just take that first step and then hopefully the magic happens. And, and I think I, I mentioned to you, Deb, that I was named last week as one of the top 20 UK career podcasts by a, by a, a website. Um, so you know, it, it, not that I, I was sort of actively seeking um, you know, awards or validation, but I think in a way it's quite nice having gone through now 20 episodes um, and a number of guests. It's, it's quite nice to see that other, it resonates with other people. Um, so yeah, great to have you on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really glad to be in this you know foundation building period for you, and I'm so excited for your success already. Congratulations on uh, being ranked in the top twenty already. I, I think you are definitely making an impact. Oh, brilliant! No, so keep it right. up. And 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 actually, I think a lot of it is just it's a vehicle to connect with people like yourself because I think. You know, obviously, we got to know each other through uh, Dory Clark's community. But I think you know, when, when you spend time with each other, and I think because you had a technology background, and I, I've, I'm really fascinated about technology and how you can become know more about it. And I think technology is impacting on so many areas in our lives and our businesses. It's really important to work with it rather than work against it. And I think that's quite nice with what you're doing with Tomorrow's Zone. Is that right, Deb? Yeah, it's really about, you know, embracing the new possibilities and and being willing to regularly rethink what you think you know about what's possible because things are changing so fast that it's it's important to step back every once in a while and reevaluate your assumptions. You know, there are things that we are doing today that we used to joke about in the tech world. I used to joke around one of my first jobs in IT connecting to Troy's brain. Troy was like this ninja programmer and he knew everything. We're like, if we could just like connect to his brain, we wouldn't have to interrupt him all the time, but we could get the answers we want. Well, we have Google now, or we can just speak to the robotic assistant who won't be named right now because they'll interrupt our podcast, but we can just speak into the air and get the answers. And, and, you know, we used to just joke about those things, but they're, they're, they're happening now and they're real. And so like, what are you joking about right now? And if you're watching what's happening with tech and trends, <laughs> the future could be a little more interesting than, than you may think. <laughs> and, and, so and, yeah, it's, it's great to keep up on that stuff and embrace it and not be afraid of it. I, I love that point. I, I, and that ties in, I suppose, with this whole idea of limiting beliefs, because I think a lot of times we stop ourselves from almost getting the life that we deserve. And, and I'm not saying that you can have a great life without putting the work in, 
But I think what I find really frustrating is that there's so many people out there who are doing really good work, but for whatever reason aren't getting recognized. And I think part of that is because of this limiting belief that they don't believe that they deserve almost a, a good life uh, or, or the life that they deserve. And, and it's about almost getting past yourself, getting past your limiting beliefs, mm-hmm. um, not being afraid to approach people. Um, because especially with the podcast, people are, are much more willing to give than you realize. Um, and I, I found that out from, you know, approaching people to be guests. And, I, and I'm not saying everybody that I've wanted to be a guest has said yes, or that everybody has rejected me in a nice way. I mean, that would be just ridiculous. But I think more people have been helpful and friendly than not. Um, I mean, what do you think about the whole idea of limiting belief, uh, Deb? Well, oh my gosh, that's a huge topic for me. (laughs) I'm all about like challenging status quo and busting through those limitations. I mean, I've had to do it over and over in my own life and in my own career. And I think about your example, committing to do what you're doing and then putting yourself out there over and over and over again. But approaching people with genuine curiosity and interest is a great way to connect and, you know, not just connecting with people, but with new topics, new skills that you may want to acquire, new things that you want to learn about. I think that one way that you can really take the limits off for yourself is to crank up your own curiosity and put yourself in situations where you can learn and grow. That's, you know, there's, there's a few questions that I always ask when I'm making big decisions that help me to take the limits off. And and it's really about How do I want to live? Who do I want to be? And how do I want to grow? And those questions are core to really making great decisions about what information are you taking in and what kind of people are you surrounding yourself with? And what steps do you need to take to diversify your information streams as well as your association so that you can, you know, broaden your horizons and that you so that you can be exposed to new possibilities. So, I mean, even meeting you required stepping out into a new environment, taking the limits off yeah. and, and, and getting into a, a new group of people where I could be exposed to new ideas and new connections. And, and here we are. Sometimes the whole idea of putting yourself into an uncomfortable situation, I think is quite good because, I mean, say with this podcast, every time I I record a podcast, it's almost like sitting in an exam. You're with a new person who obviously you you do the research, you think you, you know them quite well. It's quite nice when it's friends, but it's almost as if you have to push yourself and, and, and make yourself slightly uncomfortable. And I think also that gets the adrenaline going. The performance is you know, better, hopefully. Some people may disagree. But you know, I, I think it's, it's always good to force yourself to step outside your comfort zone, um, do a podcast, a YouTube video, write an article, mm-hmm. share your th- thoughts. I think it's always good to just um, challenge yourself in a way. Yeah, and I found that the most awesome moments in my career journey have been those times when I challenged myself to stretch my comfort zone and, and get into a new situation despite the discomfort. And, and I think, you know, sometimes we may be afraid of doing that, but I often try to reframe the way I think about it. And I, I question myself, is that really fear 
or is it just discomfort because this is a new environment and it's not familiar to me? And, and when I get honest about that, then it's a little easier to take action because like, okay, this is just discomfort. I know how to get through this. I get through this by taking the next step. So Deb, when, when you started out in your career, did you have a particular plan or was it just a series of experiments? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it was, it was totally a series of experiments and discovering my way forward. People talk about failing fast. I feel like I was flailing fast, um, trying to figure it all out. I still don't have it all figured out, but I've learned a lot along the way. So, well, I did have a plan when I was in high school. I was naive enough to think that you could like plan your life out. And I, my plan was to be a gymnastic coach and and have a gymnastic school and i had a business plan i was interviewing business owners and that's, that's what i was going to do um that dream was ended instantly with a acl injury which at the time was devastating i mean you know medicine has progressed quite a bit now <laughs> that wouldn't end your career now but that was the case for me um you know i didn't stick the landing and then i was done wow. so you know i was forced to reinvent myself and, um, you know, at that time, I didn't have a lot of mentorship input. And so it really was a lot of discovery. Um, I ended up getting into banking. I nominated myself for advancement every year because like I would learn a job and, and you, the bank I worked at, you only had to stay in the job for a year before you could nominate yourself for advancement. And I got bored really quick. As soon as something got repetitive, I'm like, okay, uh, when is this year going to be done? So, um, so I learned early on about myself. I, I need constant challenge. And so um, I worked my way through a lot of different roles. And then I got into a job where I was doing foreign loan accounting, worst career advice I ever received. You should be in accounting. <laughs> yeah, not a good fit. So, um, but the interesting thing that happened there was um, my boss at the time, realized that I had an aptitude for technology that I didn't even realize myself. And so um, she encouraged me to really get into um, learning everything I could about computers and application development and stuff. And the bank had its own internal technology university. So I enrolled in that and she made a deal with me. And I'm so grateful to this day that this happened. But she said, if you can get your job done every day, then you can spend the balance of that time learning as much as you can about computer stuff. And I'm like, awesome. So I proceeded to automate my job so that I could get it done in two hours. And I was spending six hours a day studying, doing projects that benefited the department and learning everything I could and got certified in different technologies. And, and so, you know, it just, it was through that discovery process. I mean, almost accidental. I mean, what would have happened had I not met her? I don't know where I'd be today. And so then an IT job came up and I didn't even know that was a career path. And, and she printed it out, brought it over to me and said, you need to apply for this. And so having that person in my life that saw something in me that I didn't see in myself made all the difference. And I ended up getting that job. And then that boss challenged me to get into programming and application development. And it turns out that's something that I learned really, really fast. And within the span of a year, I was promoted and... Um, and I was doing automation projects and winning awards. And so like these people that's, that, that discovered this capability that I had that I didn't even know are the ones that really kind of got me on the way. 
that was the start of it. That's so it wasn't planned at all, but it was really back to that theme of always being in motion and always being curious and, and moving to the next challenge. I think that's a great story. And I can totally relate to that because, um, you know, say with the, with the podcast, it, it was meeting, um, you know, Tammy, our, our mutual friend, which really sort of pushed me to get, get it started. And I remember I was having this conversation with her and literally um, it, it was meant to be a quick 15 minute, half an hour catch up, but we had so, so much fun. We, it went on for an hour and you know, she was just saying, oh, yeah, I really like your story. And, and, and I'm just thinking, I, I haven't been telling any lies time, like what is so interesting? But I think it's quite uh, funny how you don't think your life is that interesting, but other people do. But mm-hmm. it's also having them uh, give you that support saying, yeah, well, you, know, you should really go for it. And actually she invited me onto her podcast. And I think when somebody else um, who, who you really don't know that well um, gives you that honor, then you think, oh yeah, well, th- there is something here. Um, I should just go for it. Um, but but the other thing I really like is you, know, uh, you were talking about your gymnastic uh, background, and you know, I think we we were talking uh, you know, before how we both have sporting backgrounds, and I think almost having that discipline, um, almost hunger, you know, not not that you want to win all the time because that's impossible. But I think it does give you that drive and determination. And maybe do you think that's part of the reason why you've always been looking for opportunities and uh, finding them? Do you think that might help? The I think game? I think it. Yeah, I think that the mindset that I picked up. I mean, I, I competed nationally as a gymnast. I, my life was in the gym, twenty to twenty-five hours a week, year-round. And so the mindset that you walk away with is, no matter what, I'm getting back up again. You know, nobody is perfect the first time doing the backflip. You have to get in your reps and you have to continually practice and you're going to fall. That's just part of it. You know, and so they talk about in Silicon Valley all the time, failing forward. There's a lot of that that happens in sport, you know, and it's, it's that commitment to continue to press on and in gymnastics, especially even though there's an element of the team yeah. sport. A lot of the times you're competing against yourself and you're continually striving for your own personal best. And so, you know, I always went above and beyond. Our practices were 20 to 25 hours a week officially. But then in the summer, my dad had built me a balance beam and I was out in the yard for another eight hours as long as the sun was up flipping around on that thing, you know, continuing to build my muscle memory and skills and strength. And the other thing that really, I think came out of it was this, you know, you're building physical muscles, but I I also think about um, the way we think sometimes is building mental muscles and facing fear continually getting used to continually facing fear and discomfort and knowing that as you're going through the learning process, when you're trying something new, you're going to suck at it at first. And you got to be okay with that if you're ever going to become awesome at anything. And so, you know, the ability to stick with it, the ability to try new things and a little bit of (laughs) risk-taking. I think a lot of that I got from my experience in gymnastics. And I think there are two really interesting points you bring up there. I think firstly, it's about, I think the process, don't worry so much about the outcome, just really focus on the process. And if you do that, um, and you keep grinding away, I think good things eventually will happen. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes people get too fixated about, you know, win, loss, success, failure. 
Um, and like who, in a way, you have to just say, okay, forget about that. I'm just going to do good work, hard work, and good things will happen. But I, but also, I think it's about reframing and dealing with failure. And I think we'll touch on this later about the the Stockdale paradox and how you're almost trying to bend reality to your own in in your own uh, favor. Um, which I think is really interesting, but we'll definitely touch on that on the uh, the, the back end. But w- what I really like about y- your career, the way it's progressed, is this interest in uh, technology. And a- as you're talking about, yeah, as your career has progressed, you've seemed to gain this greater interest. So obviously, you have this mentor who is really helpful. Is there anything else um, that sort of uh, pushed you in that direction, or is it just simply love of technology? Yeah, there were a lot of different forces at play. Um, So I've spent the majority of my career now in the commercial equipment finance space. That's a, you know, close to trillion dollar industry. These are companies that are financing the or leasing the capital equipment that businesses need to make awesome happen, whether it's laptops, airplanes, or anything in between. My interest in technology just continued to explode as I was learning that business and building automated solutions to help make the business process more efficient. I was part of a a startup of a leasing company, and I played a very strategic role in between business and technology. And so I had to learn the business end to end, but I had to stay on top of where technology is going because not only were we very quickly building all of the applications that we needed just to launch this business and to be able to do business and, and generate volume and everything, but I was thinking 10 years out, what do we need to be doing now so that we can be scalable long-term? And, you know, imagining technology solutions that didn't even exist yet. I had to stay on top of what was possible in technology. And and I often had to go outside of my finance company (laughs) to get that inspiration. Um, But I was also inspired by, um, by people from outside of our company coming in. So whenever we were partnering with software companies, I was watching the people on those teams and learning from them what's possible in leadership and facilitation and the way that you're working with customers and the way that you're thinking about technology and business possibilities. I don't think these people really understand the impact they had on me and how closely I was watching these interactions. But but that was another huge inspiration for me was just seeing people that were masters in their roles in different elements of the technology world because it inspired me to pursue and try different um, different things in my own career and to master different skills in the profession. I think that's a great point. And, th- and this whole idea of if you watch people, there's so much you can learn from them without, you don't need sort of formal mentors, but just watching the way they do things, how mm-hmm. they handle situations. Um, mm-hmm. and, and even if the work may, may not be that interesting, I think there are always things that you can pick up from just going through the processes, even yeah. things like um, operational stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I know from you know, working in finance, the operations stuff isn't that sexy or interesting but it needs to be done because you know, if you're paying out some money um, and you're receiving something, uh, how, uh, what is the settlement like? And there are all these 
like funny nuances, which I'm, I'm sure you must have come across in your banking days. But if those things don't happen, however good the rest of the transaction is, if right. it doesn't, if it doesn't settle, then you're in real trouble, basically. Yeah, yeah. And if you're going to build technology solutions that stand the test of time, uh, and I have done this, there are solutions I built, you know, and designed 20 years ago, where the technology just keeps being upgraded. But the design, the solution has stood the test of time. You can only do that by understanding not only what's possible with the technology. I always think of the technology last. Really, you need to understand the business process end to end and what are the outcomes that you're trying to achieve and thinking on a systems level. It's it's very um, cross-functional and, and really understanding the impact to the humans that are involved from all different roles and different specialties and functions. And how does all that come together to build a great solution? The, the other thing I was going to touch on, because this has come up several times as a theme, even in what you've been describing in your podcast journey, it's not just the technology and the, the people that have been in these technology or even business roles that have inspired me, but also, you know, there's a lot of value in the relationships that you're building as you're, you know, pursuing your career journey. And you don't often realize it in the moment, but when you look back and you you connect those dots going backward, you see these key relationships in your life where somebody opened a door for you or put a challenge in front of you and you said yes, and it made all the difference. And that's for me, how I ended up getting into speaking. It's how I ended up getting into, um, different, you know, higher level roles in the software world. It wasn't about, you know, pursuing those relationships for that reason, but the human to human connection, I think is just, it's so important. And sometimes we think that innovation is only about technology and it's not so much of it is about mindset and human to human connection and collaboration. I think that's a great point because I look back to when we first met, I wasn't thinking about podcast guests or technology, but we, we obviously had a good connection. There was a good vibe going on. And I think it's really important that you have that sort of pleasant relationship because it all starts, as you're saying, with the relationship and then things um, you know, spin off from that. And actually my interest in technology literally started while I was at a dinner and I was sitting next to somebody who was starting a tech club. Um, and I said, oh, I know nothing about technology, but I know some, some other stuff. And we sort of said, uh, we'll help each other mutually. And in the end, and this was three or four years ago, and literally, Deb, I, at that time, I didn't even have a smartphone. I, I was so... <laughs> I was so behind it. It wasn't a really bad phone, but it was a pretty bad phone. And, and then to think how I've sort of progressed from that point to now, um, you know, podcasting, YouTubing, and I'm, I'm not saying that that's like massive technology, but it, you know, it's certainly a huge step from where I was back in the Stone Age. <laughs> it, it's just interesting how you're evolving the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's like that's the key. You have to be open to continually evolving, but also, you know, a, a big part of that is following your curiosity. Had you not been curious, maybe you would still be using that same old uh, it was smartphone or whatever it was you were using back in the Stone Ages, <laughs> like a clay tablet. <laughs> <laughs> but but the the other thing I, I find fascinating about technology is um you know, 
the, the way it sort of interacts with neuroscience and psychology. Because you know, as you were talking about, you're always trying to reframe things. You're trying to reimagine problems. And, and rather than saying, look, this is the way that things have been done. Let's just carry on with it. You're trying to see, okay, can I make this more efficient? Can I make it better for the, the consumer? Um, you know, can I just make this whole process better? Oh my gosh, this is a, I love this topic. Um, so I, I'm a voracious reader and I don't just read about technology, but um, I love learning about how our brain works. And then considering that as I'm designing, you know, interesting collaboration experiences or customer experiences, or even, you know, looking at solving technology problems, there are a few things that come into play that I think about a lot. Back to curiosity, intentionally cranking up your curiosity is is a big one, you know, because if you're not curious, it's going to be pretty hard to learn something new and stick with it. It's going to be hard to ask new questions that will give you a new lens on the problem. And, and there are so many tools and mental models that you can leverage for this to get yourself out of your own head space and, and get yourself into the shoes of someone else or, or take on a different persona as you're looking at a problem, just so that you can see it in a new way. I often like to think of myself as when I'm really digging into a problem space, I've, I've described it as kind of like flying around it and looking at it you know, at all angles and all altitudes, like a drone. And if you look on my website, you'll see one of the visuals there. There's a um, like a logo that kind of looks like a drone. And it, it comes back to that because I'm always looking at people, process, technology, and future, zooming in, zooming out, and changing your frames, changing your lenses when you're looking at these problems goes a really long way to be able to come up with new, fresh solutions and forward-thinking insights the other thing I think about a lot, and I've learned this about just how my own brain works, is sometimes I think we need to know the answers right away. And one of the things I've learned is to be comfortable sitting with uncertainty and not knowing that sometimes um, one of my friends in, in one of my first technology jobs, his young son used to always tell him, dad, I can't know that. And I've always I've always um, kept that phrase because there are things you can't know. I can't know that right now. If I sit with this for a while, though, I'm going to know more as I continue. So one of the things that that I do intentionally is let my ideas or my thinking about a problem just percolate in my brain and work in the background. Let your brain work on things. And there is power in using the space in between collaborations or in between work sessions, because when you come back to the problem again, you're going to have fresh insights just by letting your brain work on it. So um, so that's the second thing that I focus on. And then the other thing that it really comes into play for me and just the way our brains work and staying on top of technology and trends so you can stay ahead of where things are going is setting intentions for what you're watching for. So I always talk about, you know, you need to have a technology watch list. What are the top three technologies that you're intentionally watching for? And then you just have it stack and, and you build into your regular reading habit or as you're out exploring or, or meeting with people, your brain's going to start to notice these examples of AI or Internet of Things or blockchain or whatever it is that you're following. 
And, and it's going to make a huge difference when you start to look at, you know, what, what are the new possibilities? It's going to help you to generate even richer ideas because you're now paying attention to what's possible. Those are some great points you make. And, and I, th- I think on the second point about letting your brain stew on things, I, I think that's so powerful because uh, I came across this professor at UCL called uh, Vincent Walsh, who's a neuroscience professor. And he gave this great lecture on uh, creativity. It was a, a TED talk. And what he was saying is it's all about sort of, and obviously I'm paraphrasing here and I'll put the link in the show notes, but it's, it's about you know, doing the work, doing the grind. You don't have to be a genius thinking about these things in, in different sort of ways. And actually, sometimes the answers actually just come to you like you know, rain from the clouds. I never thought of myself as a particularly creative person. But now I look back and I produced sort of 20 podcasts and ACG videos. Mm-hmm. And I'm still thinking like, where did that come from? But because I wasn't thinking about it, it just happened. Sometimes you just have to let these things evolve and not mm-hmm. actually think too much and not let your head get in the way. But I think your other point about these intentions, if, if you um, say to yourself, look, I'm interested in meeting people who are sort of in technology in a particular space, or you know, as we've talked about, I'm, I'm trying to design an app. So I'm always looking for people who are app designing in a particular space. Then I think sometimes your brain is on the lookout and is, is saying, always guiding you to that particular person. Yeah, I think that you're definitely going to see what you are intentionally looking for, but you you have to set that intention. Otherwise, you're just, you know, leaving it up to chance. Back to the commit, committing to take action, you know, in the example of your your podcast, it was it was committing to take the action, not overthinking it, yeah. but by actually scheduling it and giving yourself that deadline. For me, that's that's also another element of magic is I create those deadlines for myself as well because it keeps me in motion. Um, the, the other thing that I found just about meeting people you and I met in the virtual world, you know, when, when the world shut down with COVID, it was initially hard to think, oh, how am I going to meet people if I'm not out traveling, you know, several times a month? And that's what I had been doing. And I found though that by leveraging now the opportunity to connect with people virtually with so many more of these uh, networking and conference events going online. Now they were even more accessible. I was able to even more easily build variety and diversity into my network by pushing myself into new environments, being on the edge of my comfort zone and, and I don't know exactly where the connection is between that and neuroscience, but I know that there is a connection to flow and, and kind of getting into that space where you're kind of just on the edge of excitement and fear <laughs> at the same time. But awesome connections happen in those moments when, when you're willing to commit and intentionally get into those new situations. No, totally. And and sort of going back to tomorrow's own. So mm-hmm. obviously you worked in sort of corporates until about 2013. And then mm-hmm. I think you decided to sort of go off on your own, set up your own business. So uh, which eventually turned into tomorrow's own. So can you just uh, share with our listeners what that does and why you decided mm-hmm. to go out on your own? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so tomorrow's own, I got the name from 
it's a process that I follow for staying on top of tech and trends so that I can come up with new possibilities and imagine new futures. And so what my business is all about is really helping forward-thinking professionals to make time to step away from day to day and just creatively discover and imagine new possibilities for what's now, but also what's next. And so that shows up in several different forms through consulting. So I do um, strategic advisory consulting for companies that they know they want to make a change, technologies involved somehow, but also we're looking at people process and, and they need help making that future happen. But then I'm also um, doing something new that I launched in at the end of 2020, and that's the Unconference platform. So um, the Tomorrow's Own Unconference is all about helping people, especially in the equipment finance industry and beyond, to come together and make time to explore new possibilities and to learn about what's new and what's coming when it comes to technology, innovation, and future. And then what does it mean specifically? How do we apply it to our own lives and to our businesses? And I've created this virtual collaboration platform for innovators to get together in really unique ways to shape the future. And so um, that's been a lot of fun. And like you, it it meant stepping out of my comfort zone, committing to take action, even when I didn't know exactly what the end was going to look like. And I had a vision for what it would look like, but it's definitely unfolded, you know, different and better than I thought. Um, you know, I got into starting my own business after having worked for uh, equipment leasing and finance company, like I shared with you. But then I also um, was a senior product manager for a software company that serves commercial lending and equipment finance. And so I saw the industry from an entirely different lens as a service provider and as part of a software company and had to learn new ways of collaborating with a team of engineers that were on the other side of the world. So that was a whole different adventure. You know, I ran into challenges similar to what I did when I was working in the leasing company where I wasn't feeling challenged and I was looking for what's next and where do I want to grow and how do I want to live asking those same core questions and realized that you know, around 2012, I was starting to see on the fringes of the industry some cloud-driven disruption. They seemed like anomalies to others, but as I was looking at it and looking out into the future, I could see, you know, I don't think this is a fad. I think this is the future. And when I saw that disruption on the horizon, I realized if I stay where I am, I'm going to become less and less relevant until I'm obsolete. And it's only going to take a matter of years. And I started charting the course for my future. And I didn't know exactly what it was going to be, but I, I knew it was going to be moving into my own thing. And so it's about a nine-month process to, to do that, put together my business plan, land my first um, client for consulting. But once I once I started, I reached out to that client and said, okay, I'm through all the legal stuff. Let's figure out how to put our heads together and make awesome happen. And, and we did, and I never looked back. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I, I, there's so many good things there, but I think this whole idea of, well, firstly, I think creating this platform, because I think creating a platform and a community is so powerful. You're trying to create a tribe of people. And yeah, and there are real collaborations yeah. coming out of it. 
you know, so we get together and we're experimenting. So like our last experimental meetup, we actually met in a virtual world in 3D and we were playing with spatial audio and 3D virtual world technology that kind of combines the clubhouse experience, the Zoom experience and and a couple other things into one. You know, where else do you get that? And and when it comes to technologies like that, you you can't really experiment unless you have other people to play with. Yeah. And so these are people from all different companies that are coming together to learn together and learning in community is so powerful. And so, you know, we have our live events where we're, and this is not your grandfather's webinar. It's not one way at all. You know, we might do a customer journey map together. That's very hands-on digital. We might be doing a roundtable discussion. We've turned roundtable discussions into visual board games. We've built smart contracts together and tested them together in the space of a couple hours. And so every single thing we do is unique, experimental, but it stretches our thinking about what's possible. And, and people are diving in and getting involved with us. They're stretching their comfort zone because a lot of times they'll come in and think, you know, I'm not a technology expert. And, you know, the great news is you don't have to be. This is about getting immersed in an innovation environment that's going to help you to think different. And then we just create that safe space where wild ideas are welcome. You know, and you think about like most traditional companies, wild ideas usually are not welcome because companies are built to protect the status quo at all costs. But we've created this virtual space where curious, forward-thinking professionals can come together and challenge status quo in a totally new way. And it's really, really fun. And then we stay connected in between those live sessions through an online community. And so, you know, it's been amazing journey. We'll be celebrating our first anniversary on December 3rd. So we're not even a year old yet. Happy first anniversary. In <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's such an adventure. I really wanted to touch on this, mm-hmm. the Stockdale paradox. Obviously, the, the pandemic hit, your business really suffered. How did you recover? And how do you fe- feel that something like the Stockdale paradox helped you? Would you like to give our listeners a bit of a uh, a quick overview of the Stockdale paradox. Yeah, yeah um, I hope I can do it justice. I, I ran into this when I was reading Good to Great many, many years ago, but this story really stuck with me. And um, the Stockdale paradox was inspired by a story of um, American um, soldiers who were were being Vietnam, held hostage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Admiral Stockdale was asked, you know, well, well. What was common among those who survived that awful experience? He said the people that didn't make it were the optimists who were continually thinking, we'll be out of here by Christmas. We'll be out of here by Easter. And they were continually disappointed. And he said, you know, the Stockdale paradox is really all about embracing the brutal reality of the current situation without losing hope that you will prevail in the end. You know, when the world blew up in March 2020, my business did too. My speaking calendar, which had been filled out even into the next year, evaporated. 
in a matter of days, I had strategic consulting engagements that were, we were just to the point where we were scheduling when is our first work session. Instantly backburnered because in finance, everybody's attention turned toward the payroll protection program that we had going on in our country, as well as payment relief scenarios for all of these businesses that are also struggling all at the same time. I wasn't doing on-site workshops. I had been traveling and speaking on stages all over, all of that. You know, everything that I did that involved being in person was gone. And so that was a large part of my business. It just tanked instantly. And so I had to step back and rebuild. And it really required, you know, first of all, getting honest with how I was feeling and thinking about what was going on. I thought about that Stockdale paradox because I'm I'm like, okay, nobody knows what's going on. We don't know how long this is going to last. I mean, we were naive enough where I lived to think, oh, we'll be back to work in two weeks or a month. And this was March. And so it it took me some time. I mean, I, I feel like I went through kind of an accelerated grieving process because I did allow myself to embrace just how terrible this was. And I didn't know what I was going to do, but I didn't let myself stay there either because I didn't have time to waste. And one thing I've learned along the way, whenever something bad is happening, sitting there and wishing for the past to come back, that's a waste of time. I didn't have time to waste. I had to figure this out. I did my tomorrow's own method, my future workshop on myself, and I mapped out six possible futures based on what I could know at the time. I remember this. I did it April 9th, 2020. I saw six possible futures, and then I looked at the patterns that I saw across those different futures. And the pattern that I saw told me, okay, Deb, you need to build this business as if this is the way things are going to be for the next two years, at least. And hopefully, I'm going to be pleasantly surprised. But if I'm not, I'm ready. You know, thinking about the future, it's not about predicting the future. It's about being prepared. That really gave me the freedom to skip over the continual question. How do I do this in person? Can I do this in person safely? Do I need to travel? Because I wasn't burning any time or energy on that thought process. It freed me up to think, okay, the whole world has had to adopt digital and they're all on my turf. What is possible now? And I reframed it and I was able to come up with a new business model, which didn't happen instantly. Like I mentioned, you know, it was a process of flailing forward, a lot of experiments, a lot of, you know, I went on a massive listening campaign to understand what are the challenges people are facing and what could I do about it? But through that process, I eventually started to see the seeds of this new vision, which became what I'm doing today. Everything I do now is 100% virtual. I get three times the results and I've tripled my business compared to what it was pre-COVID because I'm thinking different and I'm not trying to go back to the past. I'm going forward to what's next. I just love that. I mean, it's like that the girlfriend who's left or the boyfriend who's left. You just have to move on. Yeah. They're not and coming it hurts. Back. It sucks. Sure. But, you know, that's that's part of the journey. But then yeah. once you're over that, what's possible now is like a really fun question. Totally. And I, and I just think it's that whole idea of almost bending uh, reality to your will rather than saying, okay, this is the way it has to be. Mm-hmm. You can actually ch- either change yourself, change the, the people you associate with. Yeah. And I think people have far more control over these things than you you realize sometimes you're in this mindset where you're feeling stuck you're feeling a bit low about life and it's just difficult to come out of that that rut isn't it yeah yeah it takes a lot of soul searching I I actually did a a personal retreat It, it took me three days 
to get through, but I, I just, everything I was thinking about, I got it out on paper and, and just really thought it through. And, and that was a, a huge catalyst for me to start thinking different, but I started asking myself challenging questions. You know, it started with a lot of question storming rather than trying to seek the answers right away and being willing to sit with the uncertainty and know that there are some things I just can't know right now and that's okay. But what do I know and what do I have to work with right now and what's possible with that? And I think that's a great point about being honest with yourself, because I think a lot of people, unfortunately, they don't have that self-examination. Look, we've all been there. But you just have to say to yourself, look, I've got to try and move on and, and get to mm-hmm. a, a, a better space. So Yeah. And be open to being surprised. I was, um, I was actually very surprised in this process. One of the big things I learned is you have to be, you know, in getting honest with yourself, be honest with yourself about what you do not enjoy doing and what you don't want in your life. And I realized that there were things that I had in my life because I thought it, that's what was expected of me. And it was not giving me energy. It was not bringing me joy. It was draining me, but I didn't realize it until I stepped back to actually examine and look at it. And I realized, wow, I just thought it was normal to be gone all the time. And now I know I don't, I don't need that or want that in my life now. And I know so much more is possible without traveling all the time. And it just was like, freeing to be honest and say, yeah, I don't enjoy that. And I'm not going to pursue that. I'll travel when it makes sense, but it's got, you got to prove the ROI of it now. Yeah. <laughs> you and know, I, my I, filter has changed in a radical way. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to hang out in Minnesota and, and not leave. <laughs> yeah. If people um, obviously looking for jobs or thinking about developing in their careers, mm-hmm. do you have any strategies that you think might help people uh, in their journey? There's actually three things that I often tell people. So the first one is really about being a lifelong learner. A mentor many years ago told me, Debbie, you need to always be a student of your business, whatever that business is, always be a student of it, never stop learning. And so, you know, I've, I've been living that out. I think the other thing that's really important, and I wish I would have learned this many years earlier, you Take ownership of your own career, everything in your career, your learning, your associations, your network, you own it. And when you take ownership of it, it changes everything because now you are not waiting for anyone else's permission to improve yourself or improve your situation. Had I known that 20 years ago, I'd be in a completely different place. And then the the third piece is just really about Uh, relationships and people, you know, challenge yourself, get involved, get to know people, get outside of your comfort zone and intentionally diversify your association. I mean, I've been in the same industry for a couple of decades, but I intentionally build my network, not only in the industry, but outside and around because I want thought diversity. I want those inspirations and I can only get them if I intentionally try to meet other people that can challenge my thinking in new ways there's some sort of great ideas and i just love that whole idea about diversity diversifying your network and i always think back to steve jobs the way he sort of hung out with sort of more artsy type people Mm -hmm. he did the calligraphy course 
And it's just, I think, taking, I think the real magic happens where you have the intersection of different uh, businesses and different sectors. So for me, you know, when we were talking about the app, I knew a bit of neuroscience and psychology, and then I was interested in technology, and that's how the app came together. And Mm -hmm. obviously the app has gone to some, uh, I've designed it to some extent, but actually out of the app has come the podcast and the YouTube channel Mm -hmm. and right, you know, trying to write a book. So all these other things are coming out of that initial research, which actually hasn't, you know, progressed as much as I'd like, but without those building blocks, I wouldn't have got to where I am now. So it's, it's funny how the work you do in one area, um, you don't know how it's going to move you or your journey or your life in Mm -hmm. other directions. I think there's amazing possibilities and innovations that happen at the intersection of different disciplines and different technologies and different industries. It's just like in the kitchen, you know, some of the coolest dishes are a fusion of different types, you know, Asian and Latin together. Ooh, awesome. (laughs) Yummy. You know, (laughs) so, you know, mixing things up and trying new things, uh, amazing new possibilities come out of that. So Deb, you and I are going to pivot from this to a food onto the food network. Then bring it on, Harsha. That'll be really fun. <laughs> but Deb, I'm I'm so fired up having talked to you. I think we've got to do more collaboration together. This Absolutely, so so much fun. But before we um go, do you want to um give a shout out to anybody in particular who's helped you in your career? I think one of the people that has impacted my career the most in the most significant and meaningful ways is Craig Dahl. And he's the former CEO of, of TCF corporation. You know, he took a chance on me and invited me to be part of a startup. And, and I took the leap. There were no guarantees, but the journey since then and the doors that have opened and the opportunities that I had for new adventures in my career never would happen had I not met him. When you have somebody that sees your potential in a way that you don't, but also opens the door for you to explore that fully, it can make all the difference. So when I, I often write down what I'm thankful for, and, and I think about the people that I'm grateful that I had in my life, and there are many, he very often makes the list. I think that that's great because I think this whole idea of paying it forward and people who've helped one, building relationships, it should not be transactional. But I think where people do help you, you do remember. And I remember you know, when I got my first graduate job in finance and you know it, it was a hard slog to get it. But I remember the person who was interviewing me and it's really sad that I sort of you know, lost touch with her. But you know, without that sort of first interview and that, you wonder where your career could have ended up. And Deb, one last thing. I'm a, I'm a massive music fan and um, I, I believe you live near Paisley Park, uh, yeah. the home of, the, of, of Prince. Is that right? Yeah. Um, and I, I've actually never visited, but <laughs> I drive by there um, quite often. So yeah, that's the, the Minnesota connection. brilliant obviously all your um contact details uh will be in the show notes and any other resources that we've talked about today but it's been so much fun having you on the podcast uh talking about psychology neuroscience tech life cookery (laughs) gymnastics (laughs) all the things all the things yeah actually gymnastics what what, what were you did you have a particular was it the beam that you were, uh, or was it, were you all, all around or? I was an all around competitor wow. and uh, floor was actually 
my thing. Um, I loved all of it. And floor was actually my undoing. <laughs> oh, wow. But I, I yeah, I, I loved the floor routine it, because it, you know, was that combination, the elements of, um, you know, explosive acrobatics and dance and art, you know, artistic expression. Deb, thank, thanks uh, so much for sharing your journey. Um, it's been so much fun. You as well. Thanks so much for having me, Harsha. It's been a blast. Bye, Deb. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening and staying to the end. That was such an enjoyable interview. If you would like to listen to more episodes, then please consider subscribing to the podcast, which is available on your favorite providers and subscription is free. If you wish to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, please take a look at the show notes, which are available online. Thanks once again for listening. Stay safe and look after yourself. I hope you will join me again in the future.